My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. I'll be one of my friends. I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CNBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. This market is hostage to the COVID vaccines, including today where the Dow dipped eight points. S&P advanced 0.23%. NASDAQ gained 0.43%. Unfortunately, the vaccination process is a lot more complicated than you think. I'm not talking about getting the actual shot. I got mine done today. Painless, on time, sweet people, little post-jab, cooling off period, then right back to work. Granted, I had one of my colleagues, Heather Gaines, refresh the healthcare page endlessly until a spot opened up at 12.45 p.m. in Staten Island. But at least in New York, it's kind of feeling like somewhat getting our act together. Make my Moderna two shots, please. The problem, though, is the federal government, and not because of the House vote this afternoon to impeach the president for a second time, something that, of course, is always worrisome after what happened last Wednesday. And don't forget, we have the inauguration where we know that anything can happen. You see, the Trump White House has cooked up a ridiculous method of shipping the vaccines from the factory to the distributor to the state facility. And from there, every state needs to figure it out on its own. There are too many steps. The states, for the most part, don't know what they are doing. And that's why we've administered less than a third of the 22 million doses that have been distributed. And by the way, there's millions behind it. Our scientists have done so much. The Moderna vaccine that I got, the Pfizer vaccine, the one-stop shot that J&J is working on, that we got some good news this very evening. That one's easier to produce, and it works almost as well. So in theory, we could have that vaccine glut that I've been talking about once the second quarter occurs if J&J gets approved. But all of that's being wasted because the feds, they don't have a real plan. Still, as I waited for my shot today, I kept thinking about how that could be about to change. If President-elect Biden puts his mind to it, we could have the military, still a revered institution, distributing vaccines in every high school in America. That's what they did for polio when I was a kid. With a real plan, we could have the whole country vaccinated as soon as there's enough supply Look, I know this is mad money, not mad public health. But when you hear the jubilation in people's voices after they get the shot, like they did the person before me and the person after me, you realize that there are two polar opposite worlds in this country. There's the world of anger, divisive violence. We saw that last week. And the happy-go-lucky world where we finally beat COVID, we go back to normal. My trip to Staten Island for the vaccine was an epiphany for me. I shared it with you, by the way, on Twitter. So let me tell you what this world could be like if the government finally gets its act together and more people get vaccinated as I did today. First, you hear a lot about a vaccine shortage, but we don't have a shortage. We only have a supply chain problem. The shortage is a canard. When the mayor of New York talks about not having enough doses, as he did the other day, it's not that those doses don't exist. The CEO of Pfizer just told us, make Terrell on our own network. He's got millions and millions of them. We're just not doing anything with them. I want to give them to the military, but the military is busy right now. They aren't being ordered to get the vaccines out. It almost seems like they're more worried about ensuring a peaceful transfer of power next week. Not that I can blame them, given what we're hearing about what the FBI is talking about. We don't want last week's failed putsch to reemerge. You know what? We haven't seen a situation this dangerous since the Civil War. 
How convenient to find all those Confederate flags in the Capitol the other day. But every day the craziness plays out in Washington, we actually find more good stocks that are worth buying. We literally hold our noses and buy. I think that makes sense given the elation I saw as people left the little white vaccine tent that I went to in Staten Island. A little bit of America. America that we like. America that we really like. Look, I'm not saying happy days are here again. Not when we're worried about another attack on the inauguration. Not when there's so few people have been vaccinated. Not when I'm lucky and you may not be. But I am hopeful that as more people get vaccinated and you get lucky, everything gets easier and cities come roaring back to life. I believe that will happen. Also, just to make one thing clear, I did not jump the line as so many have accused me. I got the vaccine because despite appearance, I'm 65 and it was my turn, at least in New York. And I do feel very lucky, especially given the rapid spread and the new, more transmissible strain that is coming and in many places is here. The clock is ticking. It's not too late for the federal government to get it right. And I know I have one more to go before I can even think about being immunized. Uh, February 10, and then you have to wait two weeks before you're really in Nirvana. Still, I am halfway there, and that's giving me hope. And it's not the only reason I feel upbeat about the market. Let me tick some things down. Yes, I'm choosing to be happy in celebration because I never thought this day would come. Well, first, let's start there. Let's start with science and ingenuity. See, a year ago this week, I was traipsing around that J.P. Morgan healthcare conference, okay? And I bumped into this real nice guy, Stephanie, Steph, I wasn't sure how to pronounce his name, Stefan, Stephane Bansell, okay? Stephane Bansell. He was telling me some story about crunching numbers to design some special vaccine using RNA technology. I mean, this thing was going right over my head. Uh, Moderna. I thought it was like a town in Italy. I mean, it sounded pretty darn good. He ran this company, and it had about a $20 stock. It seemed intriguing. I sat down, I listened, talked, I recommended it to you. Seemed like we were working on the biggest breakthrough since soft beat polio. Maybe it was since Jenner invented vaccines. Uh, truly breakthrough stuff. Well, fast forward a year. Uh, I'm getting jabbed in the arm with what? With this guy's COVID vaccine. He's my hero. Second, how about Lisa Sue, the brilliant CEO of AMD? Today, the CEO of Intel, Bob Swan, lost his job, not long after being promoted from the CFO spot. The board replaced him with a very good old Intel hand who has been at VMware, Pat Gelsinger, and it, it could be good. As much as Intel needs a change, what matters here is that you're now getting a chance to buy Intel's more agile rival, AMD, down more than three bucks for something that may not even happen, a turn at Intel within the next three years. Hey, Gelsinger did a good job at VMware, but Intel doesn't really need an old Intel hand. It needs someone new, young, hungry, who can shake up the culture, if not blow it up entirely. Short of that, I'd much rather buy the stock of a company that's beating Intel to a pulp, AMD. Under Lisa Su's incredible leadership, they've gone from an also-ran semiconductor, always second fiddle to Intel, to being the one that makes better chips. Oh, and look out if NVIDIA is allowed to buy ARM holdings. That may relegate Intel to permanent second-tier status. Third, I want to salute another one that we talk about. I want to salute plug power, okay? Uh, look, on October 26, when everyone was doubting this darn thing, but I kind of liked it, stock was at 14, we spoke to CEO Andy Marsh. He, tur- he told us about the future of hydrogen power. He said it's now. Marsh had worked for years to get to this moment where hydrogen fuel cells are finally about to go commercial. He used to work in the cell phone industry, and he explained that hydrogen is approaching the tipping point like cell phones did in the 90s. The technology was unwieldy and uneconomic back then, but thanks to innovation and increased scale, 
well, <laughs> cell phones, indispensable, ubiquitous. Marsh told us the same thing would now happen with hydrogen fuel cells. And when he said now, he meant like now. I mean, I pushed back immediately. I said, come on, tech's way too expensive. He said the same thing was true for cell phones. I said, well, it's impractical. He said the same things were true about cell phones, maybe the size of car batteries. Well, given the fact that plug power is now at 69, it's clear that he was right. In two weeks, the company got a $1.5 billion infusion from SK Group, uh, third largest company in South Korea. But they didn't even need the money, but they got it. Then yesterday, they signed a joint venture deal with Renault to build hydrogen-powered vehicles and fueling stations. Remember, he said it was turnkey product with production starting next year. Now, all they need is to deal with a major integrated oil like a BP or Exxon or Royal Dutch to get their infrastructure all over the place. Although maybe the oils just uh, get left behind because they just don't get the program. Listen. It, it, it took Moderna a full year to go from 20 to 124, and Moderna had a lot of help from the pandemic. Meanwhile, plug power is going from 14 to 69 in less than three months. These two stocks say it all for this stock market. The bottom line, rather than dwell on the negativity in our nation's capital and about the impeachment, which many other people can go on and on about, uh, and there's a lot to feel bad about what's happening in Washington, I'd rather focus on ingenuity and opportunity and good news. Tough to find in Washington, especially on a night of impeachment. But they're all over the place in this stock market. Let's go to De- uh, Devin Show. Devin Shu in New Jersey. Devin Shu. Hey, Jim. Nice to meet you. Nice Due to meet to you. the recent political scuffle with the president, I was looking into the futures of different social media platforms, specifically right. for option calls. The main platforms I had my eye on are Twitter, Facebook, and Snap. So my main question is, if this is the right time to buy these calls for said platforms. Thanks, Jim. Okay, first, thanks, thanks for that. Okay, so the order, the pecking order, first you want to buy Facebook. The numbers are great. The stock's down some political stuff. I say don't worry about it. It's killer. It's a great deal, all right? Snap has suddenly become very much loved. Twitter, I saw it upgrade today, but I thought it didn't have a lot of meat on the bones. It needs more sports and needs more entertainment. So those are the orders. Let's go to Mark in New Jersey. Mark. Oh, hi, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. Of course. I just had a question about uh, DuPont stock ticker DD. Yes. I just received uh, an offer for to exchange a tender of DuPont shares for international flavors and fragrances. Wait, no, you want to keep DuPont. We spent about, uh, if you want to do, we did about 15 minutes. Uh, Jeff Marks, uh, on a call that I did last week for ActionLearnsPlus.com, our club call, we went over this really nine ways to Sunday. It's a very complicated story, but in the end, the conclusion is keep the DuPont. Stock down three and a half today and a little profit taking. Don't worry about it. It's going higher. Sue in Louisiana. Sue. Hello, Jim. Hi, Sue. My question. Hi. Um, my question is about Ollie's, ticker symbol O-L-L-I. Um, I purchased this stock after I shopped at one of their stores. They had long lines, great bargains. I went home and bought their stock. And given the recent stimulus money and the fact they continue to open new stores, Yes, it is. Uh, you know, the late Mark Butler, uh, when, when he passed away, I, I, uh, the founder, I, I got uh, cold feet about the stock. Um, I should have listened more to Matthew Boss, who was J.P. Morgan Retail. This is one that's a winner. By the way, can I just say that the whole segment's doing well. The Dollar Tree is doing well. Dollar General is doing well. And Ollie's is doing well. These are all great questions, and I thank you so much. Look, I could throw my lot in with the negativity. It's so easy, isn't it? But I'm not. Not with this. Not with this. My first half 
of what's going to bring us back in this country. I'm talking about ingenuity. I'm talking about opportunity. I'm choosing them over gloom and doom. On Mad Money tonight, nothing seems to generate more excitement in this market than electric vehicles and SPACs. So what do we do? Of course we bring them on because it's what you want. Lion Electric. Then last year at the J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference, I sat down with Kristen Peck for her first interview as the Zoetis CEO. After an unprecedented first year on the job, thanks to COVID, but also because she's real good, I'm circling back to see how she helped the company adapt up a couple 22%. And regardless of what's happening in Washington, it's now, as I've been saying, a stock picker's market. I'm eyeing TG Therapeutics, seven, now much higher when we had them last on. And I got to tell you, Mike Weiss, I think he's doing a fabulous job. TG Therapeutics. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1 800 743 CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Time to talk about our favorite group. Last week, we did a quick rundown of the electric vehicle stocks that will soon start trading thanks to mergers with special purpose acquisition companies, SPACs. I told you one of my favorites, absolute favorites, is the Lion Electric Company. It's a Canadian manufacturer of electric heavy-duty trucks and school buses that recently signed a deal to supply Amazon Logistics. Unlike so many other EV plays, Lion Electric's not some early-stage story that won't have a product for years. They're making these trucks and buses right now. Now, these guys are joining forces with Northern Genesis Acquisition Corp in a deal that should close in the coming months. Right now, Northern Genesis trades under the symbol NGA. But once they merge, they'll take Lion Electric's name and the ticker will change to LEV. I want you to be prepared. So let's take a closer look with Mark Boudard. He is the founder and CEO of the Lion Electric Company. To learn more about his company and where it's headed, Mark, welcome to Man Money. Hey, Jim, how are you? All right, so people say a picture is worth a thousand words. What is that thing behind you? Yeah, this is a Lion 8 electric truck that just rolled off, you know, the, 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 the manufacturing uh, facility. So, and uh, you see by the color, you might have an idea where this is going. Yes. Now, let me ask you, this, this, this is not some prototype that you're going to push down some hill, are you? <laughs> No, this is bad. No, it's a real one. Real one. <laughs> so how have you had such success selling these things when a lot of other people basically are dreaming of it and then coming to Wall Street and selling the idea? You're actually selling the trucks and the buses. How are you so far ahead of everybody else? Well, we, we started 12 years ago, uh, Jim. Some, some people are saying Lion is an overnight success 12 years into the making. <laughs> and... And you know what? It makes a lot of sense. I mean, we've been working so hard, so hard throughout, you know, all of those years. Most of the time, you know, without uh, just under the radar screen and uh, investing, you know, all the money we could into the development of the product. And, uh, and here we are. But we've been doing this, you know, for almost 12 years now. 
Well, one of the things that I like about your company is when people buy your stuff, it's not necessarily because they want cleaner air. They also get a bargain. The cost of the operation is lower. Why don't you just tell us about the refuse collection case study? You're, you're absolutely right. I mean, the total cost of ownership works very well today with, you know, all of our trucks. And the refuse one is a very good example. I mean, because this is an all-electric buddy sitting on an all-electric truck. It's not an hydraulic buddy sitting, sitting on an electric truck. Everything is fully electric. And then you can do the full day of operation without having to recharge during the day. And this is uh, why, I mean, uh, you know, we got uh, an order from Waste Connections. And now we're in negotiation with many, many um, fleet operators. Well, I, I know it's sometimes difficult to talk about individual customers, but Amazon is so committed to lowering its carbon footprint. And I think they're looking to you in order to be able to do that writ large. How is the relationship? No, it's a great relationship. I mean, obviously, you know, having this relationship with, uh, with Amazon is, uh, is awesome. And uh, yes, you're right. We have an agreement with them for the delivery of up to 2,500 units over the next five years. And it's a maximum of 500 units a year. Just, you know, make sure we, we have enough room as well for the other, uh, the other, uh, the other customers. So this is uh, the start of a very great long-term, I hope, relationship. Now, you, I imagine, are a believer that global warming not only exists, but is bad. So we uh, have a big change in administration coming from someone who feels that way to someone who actually, I think, is very committed to the environment, particularly, by the way, with clean school buses. Now, Lion Electric has that ready, right? Well, we do. We do. And, uh, you know, we're the leader in the electric school buses. We, we started selling them in 2016. And now we have over 300 units on the road, over 6 million miles driven. Uh, we're doing business, you know, with all the, the biggest uh, school districts and, uh, and operators as well, like, uh, you know, student transportation, first student, National Express. Yeah, so we, we are the leader. And uh, you, you heard what I heard as well. Uh, Mr. Biden would like to replace 500,000 school buses over the next five to, to eight years. And uh, at Lion, I mean, we're very well equipped to, to do that. And it's also one of the reasons, Jim, why we're opening that, that factory in the U.S. within the next two years. That factory in itself will have a manufacturing capacity of over 20,000 units a year. Now, uh, one of the things that I think is uh, very exciting, and I know you, you're familiar with our show, we're, we're spending a lot of time talking about hydrogen, too. Hydrogen trucks, hydrogen buses. Could you just disabuse me of the notion that it has to be one or the other? There's room for everybody, isn't there? Well, you know, the thing with Lion is that we're very focused and we've decided to focus on urban trucks okay. and urban buses. And what, what does that mean? That means less than 250 miles right now. But, you know, the, the, the density of the battery is going up every year. So that 250 miles will probably be like 275 miles before the end of 2021 and probably like 300 miles, you know within the, the next two years. And it, this is going up like this, you know, on an annual basis. In our opinion, there is no need at this point for the fuel cells, except huh. if you want to do the long haul on electric right now. 
At Lion, we've decided to focus on urban only, and we feel we will be able to do the long-haul range within the next seven to eight years. And it's clear you guys like making them. I mean, a lot of these other companies we see, they're just kind of, they call themselves asset light. I think that means that they're just on the drawing board. You actually have factories. You make the product yourself. You're very exacting. You got the cost low. You have an advantage over these other guys. We think we do, and uh, also we have seven electric vehicle models for sale right now, and we will be launching eight additional models within the, within the next two years. And uh, one reason, Jim, we're able to do that is because of everything we did within the last you know, 10 to 12 years. I mean, you, you cannot do that like just overnight. I mean, that cannot be. And you need to control the quality of your product. You need to, call, to control the costing as well. This is what we've been doing you know, for many years. Also, the supply chain that we have with the tier one suppliers, they are totally supporting us. We have great, you know, agreements with those, uh, those companies. They understand, you know, where we are going and what kind of ramp up of, you know, manufacturing we will be doing within the next few years. And those guys are working with us. And, and this is awesome. Yeah, that, people should know that's Dana, that's BMW, that's LG Chem. These are big companies, and they don't just partner with anybody. You have a great story. You know that we love it. I, I don't want to get people too excited, but I am excited because you make a difference, and that does matter. That is Mark Boudard. He is the Lion Electric Company co-founder and CEO that will be converting to another company, but you ultimately want to know that the symbol will be LEV. It is a joy to have you on the show. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much, Jim. See why I like this one? It's got a product. It's got sales. It's not something on the drawing board. And you don't have to push the truck downhill to make it look like it's working. Get money back in break. All week, we've been highlighting some of the best stories to come out of the J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference, arguably the most important event of the year for biotech and big pharma. But it's not just human healthcare companies taking the virtual stage. We've also heard from some of our favorite names in animal health. Take Soetis, the maker of drug vaccines and diagnostic equipment for both pets and livestock. A year ago, we checked in up with their new CEO, Kristen Peck, right after the conference. And she told a pretty compelling story. Since, she, since she's become CEO, uh, she, since then, it is up 22 percent. Despite taking a serious beating when COVID shut down the economy, in part because Zoetis has reported a pair of terrific quarters in a row. Now, so what's next? Let's check in with Chris, Kristen Peck. She's the CEO of Zoetis to find out how the company's doing and also to talk right about that Monday night presentation that I thought was terrific at J.P. Morgan. Kristen, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much, Jim. It is great to be back, although I feel like it's just a world of difference since I was in the studio with you just about a year ago. Well, it has been. But one of the things that's happened, there are very few uh, there are very few good things that have happened from COVID. But I was looking at a statistic the other day, the number of pets that are that have been adopted and therefore are being cared for as opposed to being euthanized is really fabulous because you and I both know how great pets are. But it also has to be great for Soetis' business. It has been great for our business. Uh, to The statistics you're talking about is shelters have seen a 15 percent increase uh, in adoptions over the last year. And so really what that's meant is, you know, more pets. But I think the really important trend that people are seeing is more time with their pets. 
So they're noticing more and those pets are getting taken care of much better than ever before. They're noticing that itching or the need for preventatives. Um, so it has been a real uh, strong growth driver for the industry overall. Yeah, this is a great point I want you to expound upon because, for instance, you have an anti-arthritic drug. Uh, if you're with your dog all the time, you get a sense that that is needed. Uh, with sheep, by the way, they have terrible arthritis. A lot of your, the animals that you, that you work on have terrible arthritis, but you wouldn't know it unless you're with them at home. So the awareness of both the illness and the drugs has really spiked. Yeah, it's, it, it really is true. I think the more time you spend with your pet, the more you notice the limping or the scratching. Um, so as we've seen, we've spent a lot of money over the last year seen investing in direct-to-consumer advertising to help consumers understand that there are treatments if your dog is itching and how to notice pain in your dog. And we're quite excited, as you know, to be launching in Europe um, over the coming year, Labrella, which is a monoclonal antibody uh, for dogs for pain from osteoarthritis. And we recently got a positive CVMP recommendation for Silencia, which is our monoclonal antibody for cats. So uh, it is an exciting time with lots of innovation in the space and ways uh, to take better care of your pets. Now, I was trying to go on. We, we uh, get rescue dogs and uh, have done this for years and years. Uh, and we, at one time or another, have probably had our uh, dogs take maybe four or five of your drugs. Uh, when I talk with my wife who takes care of them, and we talk to our vet, I ask them, do they know Zoetis? They know Simparica, okay? They know Rimadol. I mean, I know Rimadol. I had to put that in. Apoquil, one that we constantly use. They didn't know Zoetis. How do you make it so that people go from the leap of the unbelievable drugs you have, which have made our pets' lives great, to knowing Zoetis itself? You know, it's true. I think it's, that's partly because for most, you know, pet owners and consumers, um, we sell, you know, prescription medications which go through vets. And what's most important to us is that the pet owner really know the medication, that they know if they have an itchy dog, that they want Apoquel or Cytopoint. Um, if they want to prevent fleas, tick, or heartworm, they think of Semperica Trio. But, you know, from an investor perspective, I think our strong performance has mean more investors than ever are starting to know Zoetis' name. But I still think we're probably one of the largest, best-performing companies that nobody's ever heard of. Uh, I think that's, uh, you know what, I've got to tell you that I think people, for instance, Apo we, we were using that Elizabethan weird lampshade yeah. before Apoquil, a lot of others. I always <laughs> hope that, that doctors know that these products exist. Now, how about on the uh, livestock side? A uh, lot of, of actually geopolitical events and, and, and uh, commodity co uh, prices go into how much you're doing. And also, obviously, even like things like uh, a, a swine influenza. You have a lot on your plate when it comes to livestock. Is it worth it? Yeah, I mean, livestock has been about 45% of our business right now. Um, and 60% of that is outside of the United States. And so the trends are really different, as you know, by species. It clearly has been a challenging year uh, in 2020 for U.S. cattle for us. Um, as people moved from dine out to dine in, they you know, ate less and the demand went down. But we've also continued to see strength overall in livestock. And some of that growth is really from our international business. Um, as you were just talking about, the recovery from African swine fever in China is one of the key growth drivers uh, for us. Fish and poultry continue on a global basis to be the fastest growing species. So, you know, livestock, you know, probably is not the, you know, the fastest growing part of our business in uh, 2020. Um, but as you remember, in the first few years, that was the fastest growing part of our business. So the diversification of Zoetis has also been one of its strengths. 
And so although this may be a slower time for livestock, we're confident with innovation over the coming years, livestock will go back to you know strong growth numbers. Well, of the American companies I follow, I think you may have had the best year-over-year numbers in China. Yeah, I mean, if you look at year-to-date uh, for us, we're up 30% in China. And what's really interesting about that number is that about half that growth is coming from companion animal and about half from livestock. So one of the big growers in livestock, as, as we've talked about, is really you know, rebuilding the herd where, you know, they're really focusing that on really industrials and technified large producers that leverage our medicines. But it's really exciting to see the growth in companion animal, um, launching products there and growing Revolution and Semperica. We got the approval over the last two years of Apoquel. So China's just been, you know, a real star for us with 30% growth year-to-date for the first nine months of 2020. Well, look, congratulations on the incredible performance. You're continuing. that. Uh, this has been just an unbelievable stock ever since it was spun out. Uh, people have to look for values like this. $77 billion now. You're no longer a small cap. You're a big cap company, and you deserve... Small, we still think we're small. <laughs> All right. Well, you run it like a small, good company, and that's what I love about it. Okay, Kristen Peck, CEO of Zoetta, ZTS. The documents are really clear. If you like pets, you're going to like this company. May have money's back in. Great. Turmoil in Washington is really hard to ignore, but this is now a stock picker's market, which means we're always in the hunt for companies that have taken control of their own destiny and given investors some spectacular gains. You know, that's the theme I have for 2021. Take TG Therapeutics. This is a development stage biotech that's working on treatment for multiple sclerosis and blood cancers. Think leukemia. The last time we checked in with these guys was roughly a year and a half ago. Stock was at seven bucks. A lot of exciting prospects. Now it's a $53 stock. Amazing. What happened? The company had some very strong clinical trial results, especially for their multiple sclerosis drug. A month ago, TG Therapeutics announced some terrific phase three data on this thing, catapulted the stock from 30 to the 50s in a matter of days. Yesterday, the company presented it at the big J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference. They told a pretty compelling story. By the way, they've already raised a lot of money, so don't worry about that. Do not take this from me. Let's check in with Michael Weiss. He's the founder, chairman, CG, CEO of TG Therapeutics, a legendary investor in this segment. Get a better sense of where his company's headed. Mr. Weiss, welcome back to Mad Money. Thank you, Jim. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I got to tell you, Michael, uh, your do- documents and your conference are so good because you know so much about Wall Street and you know so much about medicine and you know so much about law. You're kind of a triple threat guy. But I think if you could explain to people that you are legendarily a, a investor in young biotech, you're about to go into being a commercial pharma company in a couple months, aren't you? Yeah, so my, my history has been uh, certainly back in uh, early stage biotech, and I've taken a few companies close to commercialization, but this will be the first time we've gone fully across the line and uh, looking forward to it. We brought in a great team. The good news is I don't really have to do it myself. We brought in a fantastic team uh, that will be commercializing these compounds. So, yeah, it's an exciting time for us and in, for me as well. In just, another, in just a month, you're going to have even more major news than you've had, correct? Yeah, so uh, our first PDUFA date for our potential first approval uh, is scheduled for February 15th. So, yeah, that will be a real a watershed moment for the company. Uh, and then from there, we have another PDUFA date in June. And then we don't have a PDUFA date set yet, but we're in the process of filing for chronic lymphocytic leukemia, which is the largest of the blood cancers that we're targeting. Uh, that hopefully will have a PDUFA before the end of the year. We've got to get that filing in. 
Uh, but uh, hopefully before the end of the year, we'll have a particular date for that as well. And I know at the top of the hour, you just said uh, about MS. MS is uh, our biggest opportunity, and we're hoping to have a PDUFA date uh, with the FDA sometime in the middle of next year. So we've got to get the filing in this year, uh, but we had the, the data that you referred to uh, presented uh, earlier, uh, like just a month ago or so. Now, Michael, a lot of people uh, here at MS, and they say, wait a second, there's some really, really big companies in there. Uh, who is this little guy, uh, company you think it is? But you're actually going after a particular part of the market not just regular MS. And I think if you explain that, people will know you're not going head-to-head against a couple of the giants. Yeah, so um, we're looking at a form of MS. It's uh, relapsing forms of MS. It actually happens to be the largest subsection of MS. Uh, and in a lot of ways, we, we will um, go against some of the, the major players in MS, but uh, we're focused on what's called this. Uh, we have a CD20 monoclonal antibody. And so it's a subsector in terms of the therapeutic category we have a subsector, which is what we expect is going to grow to about 10 plus billion out of a $25 billion overall market. Uh, so it'll be you know, probably bigger than a third of the overall market. Uh, there's only two other competitors in that space. So across MS, there's, I don't know, 15 plus drugs that are selling well, actually, which is kind of interesting. Each class has multiple, multiple billion dollar compounds. Uh, but our class is going to be limited to three uh, anti-CD20s, and we believe we've got uh, potentially a best-in-class CD20 monoclonal antibody. Now, uh, chronic lymphocytic leukemia, CLL, terrible disease. What I was surprised at when I read your, uh, your speech, 185 million people? This is another case where you are not an orphan drug guy. This is a gigantic market. Yeah, so uh, I did. I did uh, momentarily say 185 million, and I brought myself back. It's 185 thousand. Oh, uh, but see, yo, I'm sorry. I'm reading the uncorrected <laughs> transcript. I, 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 yes, I corrected myself quickly, but I'm, uh, it, I did say that first accident. Uh, 185 thousand, but still, uh, it's it's unfortunate. Really, a rough disease. Uh, lots of patients have it. Uh, it's one of these unfortunate diseases that really robs you of your golden ages, right? So you think you've gotten through life. And you're now about to retire, worked really hard, and you get 65, which is the average age uh, for people who go on, uh, who, who have this disease. And it's, it, it is debilitating. It's, the fatigue is, in, is, is, is horrible. The, uh, you get sick a lot. Uh, so it's really important to have drugs uh, for this category. And ultimately, none of it steal your golden years, but then it ultimately takes your life. So it's extremely important to have new options. There's some pretty good new options that have come out over the last few years. But they're not perfect. There's unfortunately many patients, too many patients that are falling through the cracks. And that's where our combination of U2, uh, ubituximab and Umbrilisib, our two drug combination, uh, will really come into play to really help those patients who don't get benefit from, uh, from the, the newer uh, standard therapies. And I want people to understand that you have raised the money. Sometimes people come on the show in the 16 years we've been doing this thing and they'll tell a good game. Next thing you know, they did a secondary or they did a primary of their own company. But you have raised the money. You're there to be able to do what you need for these drugs. Yeah, so we've been really fortunate. I, I will say, you know, the, the investment community has really supported uh, TG so that we haven't had to partner, right? So a lot of companies run into trouble. They raise capital, sometimes highly dilutively, uh, and other times they uh, get diluted by partnering with big pharmaceutical companies. Uh, we've been really fortunate. Uh, the, the capital markets have been kind to us. They've given us the capital to execute on our plan. 
as you know, I came on your show many years ago. I defined what we're going to do. It takes a long time, but we've executed on everything that we said we were going to do over the years. And the capital markets have given us the money to do it. So we've not had to partner with Big Pharma. And that enables us to go out and really uh, monetize on the programs uh, that we've built. So, uh, yeah, we, we're, we're well-funded. We raised uh, several hundreds of millions of dollars over the last several months. We have $600 million in cash as of uh, the last, uh, as of the end of the year. Uh, and that should carry us through almost maybe to profitability, but uh, pretty close over the next several years. We have Incredible. plenty of cash. Well, you know, look, you did. I remember when you came on, I said, listen, this is the real deal. We then subsequently got about 20 lightning round calls. And I just kept saying the real deal, real deal. And boy, were you ever the real deal? I want to thank Michael Weiss, the executive chairman of TG Therapeutics, TGTX. Great to see you, sir. Thank you, Jim. Really appreciate it. He took it from a gleam of an eye to what's about to be fruition. The big money is still to be made, even though it's had this huge move. Man, money's back at the break. It is time. It is time for the lightning round. Go to wrap. Come on, ladies and gentlemen. Bye, bye, bye. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski, daddy, time for the lightning round. Here's money. Let's start with Austin, Tennessee. Austin. Booyah, Jim. Booyah. In, uh, in March, as a 23-year-old college student, I decided to dump my entire life savings into the stock market. All and right. so far, my portfolio is up over 80%. Wow. And there's one stock that has outperformed them all, and that is Halliburton, H-A-L. I, got, I picked up Halliburton for $4.80, and since then, it's up 350% and close to its 52-week high. Wow. So should I sell and take profit or hold on? Okay, until- here's what you do. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take out about a third of your capital, all right, that I bet is kind of a big, big chunk of what you invested, and then you let the rest run because you are owed that. That's how great it is that you came in at the bottom and bought how. I salute you, although obviously I like diversification and you're not a paragon of that. Great investing. Please take something off the table. Let's go to Kevin in Florida. Kevin. Hey, Jim. Love this. Well, Kevin likes something. April, I'm uh, sorry, what? I dumped, I dumped my savings account of uh, about 52000 into Penn National Gaming and SeaWorld. Because <laughs> of a comment I read on Wall Street bets. Um, I now, t- I've been slowly getting out of that position, and I want to find out something that still has pretty big growth potential. And I'm looking at uh, ticker symbol ET, um, trying to see what you think. It, well, I'm not, a, you know, look, I'm not a big, as big a fan of ET because their balance sheet is not good. The whole group is rising. I like KMI more, uh, but the group is rising. And, and because they're not going to be able to build any more pipelines. This is the weakest in the group, though. I just got to warn you. It has the worst balance sheet in the group. Let's go to Ashwin in New York. Ashwin. Hey, Booyah, Jimmy Chill. How are you? Booyah. I'm doing good. How about you? Good, good. Just want to say thanks for the awesome tips you made. My family and I have been watching the show for over 10 years. So 10 years. For that. Thank you. 10 years. Uh, <laughs> recently, a Bloomberg and Reuters report came out saying that Lucid Motors is in talks to go public with Michael Klein's back. Take a symbol of CCIV. Yes. My question is, regardless if this fact deal goes through, is Lucid Motors worth it? Is yes. It one the- yes, it's one of the good ones. And I've spent a lot of time on this group. 
Thank you for this kind comments about 10 years. But I, I saw the Churchill Capital and I said, ah, darn it all. I wish I hadn't got that one before because they're very, very smart people. Yeah, I think you're okay there. I think it's a good situation. I know it's speculative, but I think it's good. I want to go to Celeste in New York. Celeste. Hi, I have my husband Michael here, and he needs first to say Booyah to you, Jim, on this fine occasion. Booyah. Hi. Hi. So, um, Jim, my question is, first, I'm a first-time caller, and I've owned Cisco Systems for years. It's been moving sideways. Um, It's held in an IRA. It has a 3% dividend yield. But I really want to know if I should sell it now, buy something better that's going to make me money, or is it suddenly just going to take off while I'm not looking? And what is the stock? Cisco? No, don't sell Cisco. 3% yield, good balance sheet, doing a lot of good stuff with WebEx. I think that uh, it's taken a little time for Chuck to turn the thing around because it's a big ship. But no, I wouldn't sell Cisco. I'd be more inclined to buy it than sell it. And that, ladies and gentlemen, the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. If you got into the market any time in the last nine months, you know two things. One, stocks always go higher. And two, investing is fun. Among the rise of commission-free trading, the stimulus checks, and the ultra-low interest rates that make bonds much less attractive, millions of younger investors have been lured into the asset class. And they have changed the actual character of this entire market. I call them the Merry Men. House of Pleasure. Not just because so many of them use Robinhood, but also because they're having a ball. Picking stocks feels great when there are enough obvious winners that belong to familiar companies like Azuma, DoorDash, Airbnb, Lemonade, not to mention the more established players like Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, Alphabet. I can go on and on. I mean, Etsy is fine. You know, Shopify. These stocks are so accessible that they've become irresistible, like candy or maybe like crack if you're feeling cynical. As someone who's been waiting 20 years for individual investors to get back in the game, I got to tell you, I'm torn. You know I'm a huge believer in stock picking. I think a diversified portfolio is the best way to build wealth, even if you should play it safe by putting your first 10 grand in an index fund. So part of me loves seeing this younger generation embrace stocks. They grew up on the Internet, which means they're blessed with an incredible ability to do research online quickly. A lot of older professionals scoff at these newbies because they haven't paid their dues. I say there are no dues to pay. If you're willing to do the homework, you have my blessing to pull the trigger. However, there's another part of me that hates what this market's been teaching people. Remember what I said earlier? If you started picking stocks in the last nine months, you got rose-colored view of investing. We've been blessed with one of the most halcyon bullish tapes in history. And if you surf that tape, then you should or have made a killing. But you know something? It won't. No, it can't always be this good. And at a certain point, you got to wonder if we're in Maniaville. We see stock after stock roar in the electric vehicle category or the hydrogen fuel cell category or sports gaming or cannabis, the work from home place, SPACs. These stocks make you feel like you've got the Midas touch. Unfortunately, King Midas markets breed manias. Think a bubble on steroids. Think King Midas in reverse. Because so many of these positive stories really do work out, though. I mean, like Tesla. Manias initially have a lot of believers who really don't want to hear anything negative. 
I can't blame anyone for trying to find the next Tesla. Why not? But there's a point where these electric vehicle names get too big and run out of juice. Although the one we heard tonight I like very much. So what do you do? You know what? There's a simple antidote. You follow my most important rule. Discipline trumps conviction. You may believe that Bitcoin's growing through the sky or Neo's the next Tesla or growth generation's unstoppable as a picks and shovels play on the cannabis industry. That's called conviction. You need conviction. But when you have a huge game, discipline says that you need to take something, something off the table. You need to do a little registering. Even if your conviction's telling you to let it ride and is... Your winnings don't count until you bring the register people. Now, I'm not telling you to dump your whole position in these red-hot stocks, as Jimmy Chill will not have to answer to tonight on Twitter. I'm simply saying don't be greedy. Sell part of your position. Nobody ever got hurt taking a profit because we don't know how long this fabulous moment is going to last. Of course, if you're rooting for stocks in your portfolio, rooting for them, you don't want to hear this. But I've been in this game for 40 years. Sooner or later, these red-hot stocks do tend to go out of style, at least the majority. And that's why you need to take profits while you still have them. If you let all your gains ride, you could eventually get blown out. That's what causes people to give up on the entire asset class. What do you think happened in the last 20 years? I've been fighting that for the whole time, but people have been leaving in droves. There's $5 trillion on the sidelines. So please, please do the discipline thing. Ring the register on part of your position. You may not want to take your medicine at the moment, but trust me when I say you'll be glad you did a year from now. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise you I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts now.